We turn now to God's Word. We're going to look at Luke chapter 3, verses 15 to 22. The baptism of Jesus. And you can find that on page 726. 726 in the Blue Pew Bibles. Luke chapter 3. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with, unquest- with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So tonight we're going to talk about uh, baptism and Jesus' baptism and Look at the uh, what the Catechism teaches us about what baptism really really means. Um, we had the opportunity in at Easter time to baptize a new member of our of our church, James, and it's been really fun as I have um, you know been meeting up with James and kind of inter- uh, meeting some of his friends, and we had our breaking bread group at his house last week, and the uh, the friend that was there. He said, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I, I met you back at Easter. I was there for James' baptism. And th- that's the third friend that has told me that, that uh, you know, I was, I was there. I was there on Easter. I, I saw James get baptized. And that was really, really, that's been amazing for me to, to hear that and to meet them. Because at some point, you know, James told them, I've become a Christian. And... I'm, I'm committed to this, and I'm on this journey with Jesus now, and I've, I've joined this church, and I'm going to be baptized. And they must have thought that that was you know, interesting enough or bizarre enough, or they were curious enough to come to Easter and to sit right over there with James and to observe me putting the water on his head and welcoming him into the family of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I was really glad that James, you know, knew the significance of that and knew what it would mean and, and knew that this was the a start of a new life for him to the point that he invited his friends and, you know, people that care about him to come and, and witness this because it's, when you get baptized, it's so significant. I mean, he's just never going to forget this, this Easter 
And we still, you know, we still talk about it. It's like, it's like a birthday in that it's not, you know, it's not the day you were born again. The, the catechism even, even says that. But it signifies this, this new life that God has told, that God has called you to. And that's, you know, it's, it's such a day of significance, particularly with, uh, with an adult baptism. But I would say the same thing when we baptize an infant. Because when we baptize an infant, what we are demonstrating loud and clear is that you can't earn this. You know, you can't earn God's love. You can't earn what, what the Holy Spirit said. You know, the, the voice from heaven said, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my child whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. It's just this idea that this helpless child is, is loved. And this was, there's this, there's a liturgy that's been used for, for hundreds of years in the Reformed churches of France, and we did use it at Stella's baptism, but I, I want to read it again to remind you what it says, because this is what baptism is about. Um, it says, For you, little child, Jesus Christ has come. He has fought, he has suffered. For you, he, ent- he entered the shadow of Gethsemane, and the horror of Calvary. For you he uttered the cry, it is finished. For you he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, and there he intercedes for for you, little child, even though you do not know it. But in this way the word of the gospel becomes true. We love because he first loved us. So all these things that Jesus did... I mean, and a three-month-old baby, they don't understand that. But they'll come to understand it. And that's, that is the gospel, that, that God has loved us first. And we respond to him with, with love. And I keep thinking about how, uh, how fruitful the Easter celebration was this year. Because I keep hearing stories from people. It's just multiplying um, the people whose lives were touched on that, uh, on that day. So I give thanks to God for, for that. The, the New City Catechism talks about how baptism signifies and seals our adoption into Christ. And we talked a lot about that this morning for those of us uh, that, that were here of you know, being adopted into God's family and taking on that, that new I, um, identity uh, when, when, uh, when we do these sacraments, uh, like the Lord's Supper and baptism, they, they are designed to, to show us something. You know, they're a demonstration. And so it's, uh, it's, it's very important that we do them because it, it, it's, it's different than a sermon. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a demonstration. It's like this, this little play. It signifies, you know, what Christ has done for us. And those things, you know, we might observe them and we might, you know, Lord's Supper is, is really special, but we don't even know how much they're shaping us and they're forming us uh, more, more and more. When, uh, <clears throat> when the, the musical Hamilton came out a few years ago, I just got, 
I just got obsessed with the musical. It actually, it opened in New York City in this really tiny theater that was a block away from our church. And I used to walk past that theater every day, and I thought, wow, somebody wrote a musical about the guy on, on the $10 bill. That's it, like, that's crazy. That's never going to go anywhere. And, the, the, you know, after a couple months of playing at that little theater, it went to Broadway and then, be, you know, won every award under the sun. And it's just, it's sold out all over the, the, the world now. It's really amazing. A couple of days before we, we moved from New York, like two days before when we're trying to pack and get everything ready and then during this huge move, um, I had bought tickets, not to the musical, I couldn't get tickets to that, but I had bought tickets, this guy had been giving Hamilton tours for a long time in New York, and they really started to blow up once the musical happened. And he would show you around, you know, his office, and where he lived, and actually the house that he died in, and where he went to school, and all these things. And I took little, you know, I took little two-and-a-half-year-old Silas with me on the tour, and I really wanted to go over to New Jersey where he was, where he was shot, but we didn't get to go over there on that tour. Um, but we, uh, you know, I just, I got really into it and uh, I brought a little show and tell tonight. These are, um, this is Alexander Hamilton and this is Aaron Burr. And, you know, these are, these are shot glasses. They shot each other, get it? I mean, in, at Calvin College, we call them toothpick holders. So if, you know, they are sort of toothpick holder, or I thought maybe, you know, they, they're like communion size glasses, so that if you want to think about them that way, that's fine too, but Lily got me those for Christmas, because uh, I was just so into it. The, the, the end of the musical, there's a wonderful song where he, he's, he is um, writing this letter to his wife, Eliza, you know, the night before he goes out for this duel with Aaron Burr, and he knows that it may be uh, the last night of his life, and he wants to say all these things. Well, I don't know why, but uh, there's one part of, of the actual letter, which you know, we have, that they didn't include in the song. And I, I want to read part of it here, because it's very significant for this idea that, that we are signified and sealed into Christ, and that, that identity as a, as a Christian. Um, he wrote to, to his wife, The scruples of a Christian have determined me to expose my own life to any extent rather than subject myself to the guilt of taking the life of another. So meaning, you know, he didn't want to kill Burr and he was, he was ready to sort of put this to rest. Um, but that much increases my, ha- my hazards and redoubles my pangs for you. But you had rather I should die innocent than live, than live guilty. Heaven can preserve me and I ho- humbly hope will But in the contrary event, I charge you to remember that you are a Christian. Remember that you are a Christian. God's will be done. The will of a merciful God must be good. And then he he lay down next to his 12-year-old son and prayed the Lord's Prayer with him. And he retired for that evening. And he was shot the next morning and and, uh, died later that day. But isn't that... Isn't that line, remember that you're a Christian. If I go from this place, if I die, if I move along, remember that I'm a Christian. Remember that you are a Christian. That's your identity. That's, you've been adopted into Christ. 
And of course, as the story goes along, she lived for, she outlived him by like 50 years. And it's said that she even told that to her children and her grandchildren on her deathbed. Remember that you are a Christian. Remember that you're a Christian. Remember that you're a Christian. So much of the Christian life is just doing that. Remembering that we're Christians. Remembering that we belong to Jesus. We're very forgetful people. But baptism is supposed to remind us of that. Remind us of what Christ has done. And it's these, these signs and these seals uh, that we belong to him. And that if we belong to him, he's going to keep us as, as his own. You know, we, uh, a lot of us learned the five points of, of the Reformed faith, the five points of Calvinism as TULIP. And you know that P, it stands for the perseverance of the saints. So if we belong to him, God will, God will uh, walk with us. God will keep us as, as his own. I love that line from In Christ Alone. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. That's, that's what it's about. And, and baptism seals that to us. Next it says that it cleanses us. It cleanses us from sin. That's a, that uh, is a continuation of the, the Jewish rituals. And that's, that's found in John's baptism, you know, which, which they said was a baptism of repentance. And that's why John was surprised when Jesus comes out to him. And, you know... Jesus, what do you need to turn from? What do you need to repent from? And Jesus, you know, ex- explains that. But it's this idea of washing away, washing away our sin. And why I think this idea is really needed and really necessary is because today we live in a culture that scoffs at the idea that we need cleansing from sin. Whereas, you know, the Christian faith, the gospel, has... It, it teaches that, you know, we, we all have all kinds of issues. We all have kinds of, all kinds of things that we struggle with. But what is the thing beneath the thing, the thing? Sin. You know, our sin, our pride, our thinking that we know better than God, our thinking that we can make our way for ourselves. So how do we speak, how do we speak into this? And I think in one sense, in one sense it is about identity, it is about the things that I uh, was, was talking about this morning because uh, a lot of people, they have a really, really thin identity and when life goes along, it can just be taken away from them. And that's, that is what people are really looking for. Uh, in every, in every uh, you know, a couple people have mentioned it uh, already, but this afternoon was really powerful to hear these stories from younger people and from older people of how Christ found them. And in every story, you know, in every story that you hear, you hear some take on, you know, this idea that when, when people met God, when they truly felt that he came into their life, they, there was some version of you know, Isaiah 6, woe is me, <laughs> woe is me, I'm a person of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And this idea that God is so holy and so perfect that we're nothing, we're nothing, uh, you know. And so this idea that, it, that it, it's only natural, it's only natural to want to be cleansed from sin, 
and want to have a, a, a clean slate. And asking, asking for forgiveness is a really natural thing when your heart is soft and when you realize that you're not in control and when you realize that you're not, that you're not perfect. And that's why, we, you know, that's why we do confession and assurance and the law every week. And that's, that's never going to change because we need that reminder. Um, even, at, even at Messy Church, we do that. Even on a level that kids can, un, can understand and connect with to say that we're, we're not perfect. We need God's forgiveness. We need God's grace. There's been sort of this movement in the American church, you know, the seeker-sensitive movement. And, you know, they just kind of say, eh, we don't really have time for the confession, the assurance. Like, let's, let's, we don't want to, you know, nobody knows what these terms mean anymore. Nobody knows what sin really is or what grace really is. So we've got to kind of do away with that. But actually, that moment is passing. And you see with younger people that they're hungry for the truth. They're hungry to know, um, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And they're hungry to know God. And so many of them are growing up in these homes and these families with, with no foundation. No ability to judge what's right or what's wrong. And the, the truth, I mean, really, in, in Western culture, in North American culture, the truth has been a slippery topic for 25 years now. And... You're, we're seeing the results of that. Our, our culture is rising up and people are looking for that. They're hungry for it. Uh, because because uh, we've drifted from the scriptures and we've drifted from uh, you know, this, this idea of, of guilt and wanting to be uh, forgiven and want to experience the cleansing of God's grace. People just sort of feel like, what's wrong with me? I don't have anything that I need to ask for forgiveness for. And, and, and that's the moment that we're at. Um, I, brought, I brought two props. These are all my... So I, I love, I love uh, this professor at Calvin College, Jamie Smith, because he gets, he gets the cultural moment that we're in right now. And he, um, he's able to speak about it in such a winsome way. Such a great writer, such a great speaker. And about these sorts of things. Where is our culture going um, and to see it, to see it in, in context, because there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, we've been in this, in this moment before. And he is coming to Portland. He's speaking tomorrow night. The, my group is going to go, you know, maybe, maybe 12 or 15 of us. If you want to come along, talk to me. These are, all, these are just the books that I have. And Chad has all these same books. And he's got a new book out that he's going to be talking about. There's an event tomorrow night and Tuesday morning. But I just encourage you to check that out if, if you can. Because he, um, you know, as a CRC person, as a professor at Calvin, he's really speaking into the issues of our, um, of our culture. And he's really, really insightful. So uh, baptism has this... Uh, baptism you know, uh, represents cleansing us from, from sin, that, that cleansing from sin that we really, that we need in every, in every uh, area, in every era, every person. Uh, it also shows our commitment to belong to the Lord and to, to his church, to his body. So one of the questions that we ask people when they're joining uh, this church, the Christian Reformed Church, is this. 
Uh, Do you promise to do all you can with the help of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your love and commitment to Christ by sharing faithfully in the life of the church, honoring and submitting to its authority? And do you join with the people of God in doing the work of the Lord everywhere? And uh, everybody who's been up on that stage, a lot of us have been up on there, a lot of us have made that profession at some point in our life. We say we do, God helping us. And it's this, this idea that we are committed to, to Jesus and to his bride. And we, we want to share faithfully in that. Uh, this church is a beautiful community because people do their part. Uh, many hands make light work. And we get, we get a lot done. We're able to hit above our weight class because people are committed, because people are invested, because people have figured out, hey, I'm good at this. I want to serve in, um, in this way. And that is, that is part of what baptism shows us. That we, uh, we're not here to be consumers. We're not here for um, something that entertains us. But we're here as a church family. And part of that is we play our role in the church. And we fulfill our responsibilities. Uh, you know, it also talks about honoring and submitting to, to the authority of the church. And there's, uh, you know, authority has been given to the elders of the church. We believe by Christ himself. And there are times that we're called upon to, to do that with grace and truth. And all I have to say about that is Jesus help us. Because it's so hard to do that. It's so difficult to, uh, to speak into um, people's lives today. And to, you know, to confront with the truth, but to do it in a loving way and in a graceful way that encourages repentance, that doesn't shame people, but invites them to say, what is God doing in your life? Where is he calling you to, uh, to turn from things and to step into something uh, that's new, that's, that's of Jesus, that's, that's the new life? So uh, that's, that's part of baptism, too, is we are, we are saying... We want to be held accountable. We want to be part of the community, but part of that is, is accountability and help and walking alongside each other. Baptism is this sacrament that is rich with meaning. There's so many sides to it. It's like a diamond, and you can just look at it from all these different angles, and there's so much meaning to a baptism. When when Martin Luther was tempted, you know, when he was tempted, when he was tempted with sin, when he felt tempted of, man, I've messed up so much, all the failures of my life, why did I do all these things? When he was tempted by, by the devil himself, he would look up at his chalkboard. He had a chalkboard, and on it was written, these two words, these two words in Latin, baptism, baptizatus sum. It means I am baptized. I am baptized. Whenever he felt tempted, whenever he felt guilty, whenever he felt ashamed, he would look up and he would say, I'm baptized. I am part of God's family. I've been brought in. Uh, there's a... Um, a quote from one of his biographies. It's, he said, The only way to drive away the devil is through faith in Christ by saying, I have been baptized. I am a Christian. 
It's that remembrance. It's what Alexander Hamilton said to his wife. It's that remembrance. Remember that you are a Christian. Live into that. Remember that you're a baptized member of God's family. And what, you know, when, when Luther's saying, I am baptized, I'm a baptized child of God, what is he saying? He's saying that he's been adopted. He's been adopted into God's family. He's been cleansed from sin. He's been washed clean. And that he belongs to Jesus. It's a place of belonging. He belongs to Jesus. He belongs to his church. That is some of what baptism means. And it has so many ramifications for our life today. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for uh, this, the gift of baptism. Thank you for those words that you spoke over Jesus. Thank you for the words that you speak over us. Thank you to, the, you know, to those of us that remember our baptism. Um, you know, fill us with those memories. Help them to um, just compel us every day. And even for those of us, uh, like myself, who were baptized as infants, that we can just look at that moment and see your faithfulness. See that, that you have been working in us our whole lives. See your love that reaches out to us so that we can, we can love you back. Lord, what an amazing gift this, this demonstration, this sacrament of baptism is. And we pray, uh, Lord, we pray, Lord, for uh, our church here at Park Lane that more and more people will, uh, will come to you, will put their faith in you, will be baptized. Infants, adults, everyone in between, uh, that we could see your hand upon these lives. Thank you for uh, your word that speaks. And remind all of us, Lord, tonight, this week, whatever the case may be, when, we are, when we're tempted, when we're guilty, when we, uh, when we feel um, all of these struggles in life, remind us that we are baptized, that we're part of your family, that we've been washed clean Thank you for that amazing gift of what Jesus has done. We ask it in his name. Amen.